Amen. It was good to hear you all sing today. Um, as you can tell, uh, I'm not my usual whispery goodness. A little, a little octave lower today, so I didn't sing much, but uh, I got to listen to you, and it was wonderful to hear uh, you worship and uh, lift up the name of Jesus. Uh, today, we'll make it through. Uh, I've got uh, some water, some throat lozenges, and we're going to have a great time <clears throat> this morning. Uh, th- I'm going to warn you today. <clears throat> I probably won't have a lot of, you know, not that I do regularly, but a lot of funny jokes or cute quips or things I just sort of pull out of the air that I think are funny and most of you don't um, today, because today is a, is a challenging passage uh, in the book of James. Um, it, it is a difficult passage, uh, one that there's a lot of debate on and potentially a great deal of confusion. And so hopefully uh, we'll bring some clarity to it. I, I pray for you. But before we get there, I, I want to tell you, um, if you were there yesterday at our missional pathway, uh, way to go. If you missed it, you missed it. Um, because it, it was exciting to see how our church and how things that, that I think and our staff think and others that have been in the process, uh, how we kind of have an idea. But then the great thing about um, the missional pathway and about, hey, we're a church and we're a body of believers coming together is that there was this one idea that sort of came out of nowhere uh, that, hey, this is a real opportunity for us to make a difference in a tangible, real way to, to bring light and hope uh, to a group of people who are, who are discouraged probably, who, who have difficulty, who are hurting. And, and so what a joy that was to, to see the church come together. So I want to challenge you, uh, as one of our church members admonished me this morning to get rest, uh, I'm going to admonish you that when you have opportunity to engage in things that help the church move forward, don't pass those up. Don't pass them up uh, because you're going to miss out on a blessing and you'll miss out on an opportunity to see the church move in a mighty uh, way. And so uh, that's my uh, public service announcement for today. Uh, I want to shift back to James. Uh, as we've walked through James, the first two chapters, I want to remind you of what we've covered. James launched in chapter 1 with counted all joy uh, when you experience trials of various kinds. Yay! Count it all joy when you experience trials of various kinds. Uh, sort of hold strong to your faith even when difficulty comes. Then he says, not just count it all joy when you experience those, but also endure those. Hang in there, persevere. Trust in him. Believe that he's going to see you through. Put your faith in action that you know Jesus has you. And, and he, if he doesn't move the mountain, he'll help you get through it, around it, over it, whatever. He'll do that. And if you're not sure which way to go, if you're not sure how to proceed, what does he say? Ask for wisdom. And God gives it generously or liberally. Like those on the back of an ointment, it'll usually say, spread liberally. I don't like that phrase. But, but it's just like, put a bunch on it. Right? Put a bunch on it. So, so God's going to put a bunch of wisdom on you if you ask for it. Like, trust in him. Ask him, and he's going to keep you from being tossed about 
because you've put your trust and your faith in him. Your faith is active in him. Remain steady, unwavering in trials, difficulties. When you create the mess or someone creates it for you, remain steadfast. Put your faith in action. Believe that he's going to see you through that trial, that difficulty. And midway through all of this, James pauses to give us a good little reminder that God is the giver of every good gift. I like good gifts. I like bad gifts. And you give me a cheap nothing gift, I love it. Like, it's great. But a good gift is really good. And God is the giver of good gifts. So don't forget that. And, and as you're reminded of his good gifts, remember you have a way that he's calling you to live. And that way to live is to be quick to hear. Listen, we might say. Slow to speak and slow to anger. And when we put our faith in action, we respond differently to the world around us. When, when we live out an authentic faith, people can come to us in a different way. And we respond to them in a way that's honoring to him and honoring to those that we're speaking to. And then he says, be doers of the word, be active. Live out what God tells us to, to live that we should love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as we love ourselves. Everything hinges on those things. Be doers of the word. Don't be like the person who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. No, remember what God's called us to. And one of the great ways that you and I can be doers of the word is to take care of people, particularly people who can't take care of themselves. He mentions widows and orphans specifically. Those who cannot do anything in return for you. That's what authentic, real faith means is I'm living out and helping those who can't help themselves. And oh, by the way, don't show favorites. If Slash walked in today, we would still choose Ashton. Okay. <laughs> If you weren't here last week, sorry, you, you got you to be here to get it all. The guitarist for Guns N' Roses, in case you're wondering, just in case you're wondering, go watch the video from last week and you'll, you'll get it. That's my one for the day. Because God's called us to have an action-oriented faith because we have an action-oriented God. And so James as he speaks of this action-oriented faith, raises a question in what we're going to look at today. Can you have faith without deeds? Can you have faith without works? Can you have faith that has no action to it? He asks it kind of in a rhetorical manner. But the implication is no. That if your faith doesn't produce something, Maybe it's not faith in Jesus. Now that faith might save you because that's the follow-up question. That faith might save you because you believe on the name of Jesus. That faith sure isn't very good. It's not earthly good and probably not heavenly good either. And so let's dive in today with that in mind. Can I live out my faith? Can I have faith with no action, no obvious outcome, with no 
visible fruit. Is that who I'm called to be? Is that what God asks of us, to have faith without works? Look at James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also by faith itself, if it is not have works, is dead. But someone <coughs> will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. <coughs> and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he is called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, that's the tough passage right there. And in the same way, was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, let's get to it. This passage uh, makes a lot of people think that James <coughs> is contrary to two other New Testament people, namely Jesus and Paul, the Apostle Paul. The challenge is these two men, primarily Paul and James, are dealing with two different, two different issues. They are battling two different issues in their culture. So Paul is primarily dealing with people who believe <clears throat> that their works, <clears throat> the things they do, the laws they keep, 613 of them, by the way, the laws they keep lead them to righteousness. On the flip side, James is speaking to people who have this counterfeit faith with no works. So James... Paul is speaking to those who might say, I'm good enough to make it on my own before conversion, before salvation, before I receive Christ by faith. James is talking to people after faith that you need to show that you actually did what you said you did. The emphasis is not on the, the nature of faith, but on the false claim of faith. It's the, it's the boast that James condemns. Oh, I have faith. Well, talk is cheap. 
Talk is cheap. That's kind of the idea that James is getting at. Because you can't just claim faith, have all talk and no action. And so what James is doing here is he's not contrasting faith against work or faith plus works. What he's saying is um, he's contrasting authentic faith with something else that claims to be faith, but it's not. It's not faith. It's a false claim. But it still begs the question, if you're not put your faith into action, what good is it? So, so what is the claim that you're making about your faith? Are you making this same claim that I have faith, but if you polled everyone in your neighborhood, at your workplace, in your family, in your friend group, what might they say? If you asked a bunch of non-believers who are the only people who are allowed to judge us, we're not allowed to judge each other or others, but non-believers, people outside the faith are allowed to judge us. The scripture tells us that. If those people were to say, oh yes, I can tell by how you live, what you say, how you speak, yes, I would affirm that you're a person of faith. And so James is addressing this bogus, false, dead faith And he gives the example of another Christian, a fellow believer coming to you and saying, "Um, I'm in need. They got shabby clothes. They don't have enough food for the day. They're they're hungry. They're, They're thirsty. They're in great need. And what you say, this is the modern translation of what is, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. That's what that's what James is saying. Because that phrase. Be warm and well-fed is actually a prayer that the ancient world would use, like, may God warm you and feed you. It was a prayer to God that he would handle their detail. That's what we do all the time. Oh, I'll pray for you. As we finish our chicken sandwich. And so, what good is that empty prayer? One biblical commentator said it this way, work less faith, W-O-R-K, my voice doesn't help me today. Work less faith is worth less faith. It's unproductive, it's sterile, it's barren, it's dead. We can make great claims about a corpse, but if there are no vital signs, if there's no heartbeat, if there's no pulse, it's still dead. And that's what James is getting at. There's evidence. How you you prove an authentic faith, how you demonstrate an authentic faith is the evidence of your life. And so James is asking for evidence because he knows what authentic faith is. Authentic faith is the kind of faith that declares you and me righteous apart from our works. We are only declared righteous by our faith, not by our works. There's nothing you and I could do good enough, well enough, perfect enough to achieve the righteousness of God, nothing. We only are declared righteous by our faith. So don't be confused today 
that James is saying that it's faith plus something else. It's not. You're only declared righteous before God by faith and faith in whom? Jesus, thank you, this half of the room. <laughs> thank you, David. Jesus, our faith in Jesus as the one who died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. And when you and I believe on his name, that he is the one who sacrificed himself so that I might be declared righteous. That is faith. And we're declared righteous by that. And what James is helping his readers and us understand is that if there's any other kind of faith, it's bogus faith. And he gives a, a wonderful illustration here. And if you were around Christian church in the 90s, and you did any kind of evangelism training, there was a thing called evangelism explosion. What a name. So 90s. They use this very passage that you believe in God, you believe that God is one. This is this some invisible person out there, probably a Gentile, who had traded his belief of many gods. Oh, there probably is one true God. It's like, oh, good for you, You've, you're getting there. But he says, but what? Even the demons believe and shudder. There are no atheist demons. There are no atheist demons. So that passage was used in this evangelism training. He says, but that belief in the reality of God hasn't led to transformation it hasn't led to life change. It hasn't led to something so different. No. They, they know that God exists and they shudder. They, they operate in fear. So don't be foolish. Don't be foolish to think that your actions without faith will help you. But also remember that faith without actions is useless. He raises the bar high for believers. We in the modern era of Christianity, we want to make it low. We just want to be on, oh, step right over it. Oh, it's so easy and it's good for me. And I love it. And James is like, hey, guys, in a world where everyone was against Christians, by the way, not in a community where people like embrace the church, no, he was in a world that people hated Christians, hated followers. Like, you better show that you believe in Jesus. You better show that your faith is real because faith in Jesus leads to good deeds. And so I want to challenge you today that you and I, we need to be faithful, faithful in our actions, faithful to carry out what we believe if, if I believe the scripture to be true, if I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and I've put my trust in him, then I'm gonna be faithful to him and how I live that out. And James gives us two people as an example. Abraham, who is at the first mention of the idea of worship in the scripture. When he goes to take his son Isaac 
on top of the mountain to sacrifice him because God said to. Which is to all of us. And when he gets asked, well, where's your offering? Where's your offering? Well, Abraham knew where his offering was, walking next to him. But he said, God will provide. He exercised his faith in that moment. And then, as he's raising up the instrument to sacrifice his son, what did God do? Provided the ram in the thicket. His faith led to action. The same thing is true of Rahab, this Gentile. Can you imagine we as Baptists, like we had to infiltrate enemy territory? And Matt and I have to go to Rahab's house? You know how many business meetings we'd have because of that? Like, I'm just saying, like, so, but here's the thing, like Rahab, this Gentile, exercises faith, and what does she do? She carries it out, gets the rope, they go down the outside of the wall, I don't know how all that worked, they got the sheets, tied them together, down the, down the side. Faith in action. Because what does faith do? Faith produces righteous outcomes. That's what faith does. Now here's the problem. This is the, like the crux of the matter is verse 24. Ben, will you throw that back up there? Verse 24. Here's the problem. This is the struggling, this is the, oh man, what does he mean by this? You see that a person is justified because he just uses the, the Abraham illustration. He's about to talk about Rahab. A person is justified by works. Wait a second. That's not what the rest of the Bible says. And not by faith alone. And you compare that to Paul in the book of Romans chapter 3 when he says what seems to be the exact opposite. For we hold that one is justified, same word, by faith apart from the works of law. Hmm. Now James, we like you. But where are you? So let's talk about these two things because this is really the crux of the matter. Like what does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to be justified? We first have to understand what James means when he says faith alone. Faith alone. There's a commentator that I had the privilege of, of listening to being a part of a, a bigger event here in town where he came and spoke. And this is what he said about this passage, this faith alone passage in James 2.24. He said, we must understand faith alone as a neat summary of the bogus faith that James is criticizing. Works for him are works in service to God as a result of faith. So James is actually speaking to works post-salvation. My faith moves me to works. And so my works, because of my true faith, and not this faith alone, this claim of faith, that's what demonstrates, what proves that I belong to Jesus. 
Paul, on the flip side, teaches that faith is dynamic, it's powerful. It's where we unite with Christ. The Spirit of God comes upon us and gives us the faith to open our life up to him, to Jesus, and say yes to him. And I want to read you what he says about Paul's idea. And since faith is in the Lord, the need for obedience to follow from faith is part of the meaning of the word. So James is coming at it from after we've put our faith in Jesus. And he's looking back and saying, if my faith is authentic and real, it's going to lead me to the works. And that faith is, is what leads to life. It's not dead. Paul, on the other hand, is looking ahead and saying, the faith that you put in Jesus is going to lead you to a moment of salvation by faith that you are justified, you are made righteous, and as a result of that, you're going to obey and follow him. The two are inseparable. You can't have faith without obedience. James is coming from the obedience side. Paul is coming from the faith side, and they're cramming together to make this concept understandable for their listeners the people they were speaking to in the moment. And so James, this commentator says, or excuse me, Paul can say, can speak to the obedience of faith in Romans chapter one and say that faith is working through love in Galatians five. And those are the things that James is promoting in this paragraph. Obedience of faith. Faith that works through love. And so you and I just can't talk about faith. Some of us actually need to talk about faith more, but we can't just talk about faith. We must demonstrate it. And think about how the Bible speaks to us living out faith. That the, the evidence of our faith is real in the scriptures. Think about when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. What did he send them with? I remember what they took with them when they went? A cloak and a staff, like nothing. No food, no change of clothes, no extra sandals, no pocket money, students. No running around money, nothing. Like what you had and something to handle like if you had to go up a hill. And he said, go and do the things that I've been doing in front of you. If that doesn't take faith to say, oh, uh, you want me to do what you did, Jesus? I'm not sure that can happen. But they did it. How do they do that? By faith. Faith in action. When Jesus, his last words before he ascends to heaven, go and make disciples. Go. Active. Moving. As you go along your way, bring people along with you to show them, tell them, demonstrate my love, and your love for them. In some very practical ways, when he, he says, turn the other cheek. When we're offended, what do we want to do? We want to turn their cheek. We don't want to turn our cheek. I'm going to turn their cheek. 
right? That's what you want to do too, right? I'm not the only one. But you know, that, that takes faith in action. Action means putting my hands in my pockets, right? Biting my tongue, extending grace. If he says, someone says to you, carry my stuff for a mile, what should you do? Go two miles. Pray for your enemies. Love your neighbors yourself. Use speech that encourages others, not dismantles them. Abstain from all kinds of sin, envy, lust, jealousy, pride, drunkenness, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The lists are long, and we like to pick our favorites that are okay, and others are like, well, that one's not so bad. No. Get, get away from the cliff of sin. Back up. Stay away. Push others to be imitators of God. Why? Why? Because I think about one of the most used passages in, in Scripture, especially in church, in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved. How? Through works, through my good looks, through going to church most Sundays, being a Sunday school teacher, giving a few bucks, which we need everybody to do, by the way. Uh, we're a little behind for the year. That's not a joke. That's for real. But that doesn't save you. That doesn't, that doesn't lead you to righteousness. No. How are we saved? Through faith, by the grace of God. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Why? Because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Talking a big game? Flapping our lips? No, good works. We're created for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How did you receive Jesus Christ? By faith. And so how should I walk <coughs> in these good works? By faith. And when you and I, who have been justified by our faith through Jesus Christ, when we walk in that faith, we can't help but produce goodness. We can't help but produce life. We can't help but show others what the joy of Jesus is like. And so that's what I want for us, that we would be people who give evidence of God's work in us. That our works would be the evidence of our faith. May it be true of each one of us. Will you pray with me?